In this Guider Talks, Robert interviews digital marketing and tech media expert Dan Sodegren, investor in Flock. As a digital marketing consultant, Dan has worked with social, mobile and gaming clients ranging from high growth startups to well-established household names like O2. With active experience in topics as varied as gamification, geolocation, augmented reality, social media excellence and PPC. At Flock, Dan is in charge of marketing and innovation. Flock itself being the digital transformation of a client's consultancy business in early 2018. In the interview, Robert and Dan discuss remote working, company culture, diversity and inclusion, what to do with a non-diverse agency, the future of digital agencies and the agency world right now, plus much more. Hello and big welcome to the Guider Talks today. I'm absolutely delighted, totally delighted to have with me Dan, that's the easy bit, and Sodegren, which I think is roughly the right right pronunciation. Now, Dan, uh, you will have seen him on the BBC. You'll have seen him on the ITV. Now you will see him all over the place because he's one of these guys who just appears. <laughs> and what's lovely about Dan is he's quite, uh, I'd use the word, spiky, I think. He kind of <laughs> isn't, isn't uh, doesn't play with a, quite, he plays with a, a decent bat, but he, but he just digs into things. Great. So, hello. It's actually great to have you with us. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I am a, uh, I have a personality types. If you like them, is uh, I'm uh, yeah ENTP, and uh, so uh, yeah, I uh, I do have a tendency to prime into things. Um, sometimes on the BBC, they gave me another backhanded. I think it's a backhanded compliment. They say you're really, really good down at making complicated things seem really simple and to uh, kind of almost dumb things down for folk. And I always joke, of course, that's uh, that isn't an ability. It's just the fact that I am quite stupid, uh, and uh, I I, you know, I just I can't explain it in any other better way. But you, you do, you do lots of stuff. I mean, just give everyone who don't, people who don't know you, or people who have only just seen you standing up in BBC Manchester, saying, "Oh, we're in Manchester, it's very, very digital." Uh, what actually? Just give me, give us a brief description of Dan and what you do. Cool. So one of the key things that I do at the moment, I have done for quite a few years. I'm a, I'm a futurist uh, for want of a better terminology, uh, and I, I specialise in technology, of course. Design. I've specialised in the future of work before it became a kind of big thing, which of course it is now. Um, help a lot of startups grow with my work at The Landing. The Landing is the tech and innovation hub in the uh, BBC, um, or in Media City, should I say, where the BBC is based. And did a lot of say on the radio and on the BBC, which is great. Don't like to talk about the BBC stuff. <laughs> uh, but thank you for doing so. Um, and I do an awful lot of talks nowadays on digital transformation. Um, I used to uh, be a social media and marketing trainer. Uh, by trade and help people start their own businesses as well. About a decade, I'm quite old, so I've had about nine or ten businesses. So, uh, so some people would say serial entrepreneur. Uh, my mum says uh, serial failure because uh, she's mean. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's also quite right. As you know, Jenny. Sorry, Jenny. Jenny hasn't said that. So it's always a gag idea in my training sessions. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Only a couple of times have I managed to get onto the beach in Mexico, though. So uh, you know, uh, and I tend to do things. A little bit ahead of the curve, so I tend to be about five or seven, or sometimes even ten years uh, ahead of other folk, um, and that depends why I've now been tagged as a futurist because a lot of my past failures and now things that are happening. People are like, "Dan, you were right," and I was like, "Yeah, but I wasn't right at the right time, was I?" Yeah, well, that, <laughs> no. it's, it's being right and being at the right at the right time, which I think is 
is is the piece so so let's just go straight into the future so the majority of people listening and watching run digital agencies uh, mm -hmm. we're recording this um not quite post covid but um a glastonbury weekend <laughs> oh no yeah. and uh it's been a crazy three months and yeah i mean i mean i mean let, let's just start let's just start in a way in a, in a, in a in a, in a okay, well, if I can kind of give you, because some people on the call go, it's all very well, Dan, and you're a tech guy and you're a futurist and you, you know, teach people about digital marketing, you have to, yes, we own agencies. I, I also own an agency myself. So my first business was uh, something called THTC, which is the hemp trading company. So that was like 25 or so years ago, 25 years ago, and still going now. And it was trying to teach the world to become a better place and go against uh, climate change because hemp is a really great a product for that, and I could literally pull the heck out of you with the reasons why it's happened. And you know, now, of course, CBT and CBD and other things, they're starting to come more and more to the floor. So, you know, that's a massive industry and all sorts of things. So that's great. So we did that 25 years ago. The reason why I'm telling you that, though, is because because I've done that, and I've done pretty well with some, in the marketing part of that, a load of other people came to me and said, Dan, can you do the marketing for me or for us? And I said, yes. So that became something called Spearfish. And Spearfish was a, a marketing and an arts and events company. Before we had things like Google and other things and Facebook and, you know, we had to create these things. You had to do something with people. And it was, of course, you know, before, before the whole COVID horrorness, you know, you did people, thousands of people in, in rooms or thousands of people in uh, rainforests or in, uh, in rainforests, overplaying it there. But, you know, in forests and other things. Some of these things have now become, um, <laughs> for the next generation, some of the inspirations for some marketing campaigns, people like vodka companies. And we did things like, uh, DJ competitions before they became a thing and breakdance competitions for brands and then they took it over in Red Bull and all we were with some pretty cool brands and it grew and grew and I, I sold that agency back to the other guys and it grew to about 23 people and I sold that agency back to the other directors and I went to Mexico um, and, and then promptly lost loads of money it's a wonderful story in there but I'm not, not, not for now it's definitely not for this definitely not for this call uh, that's, uh, that's a different call um, but it, it, it is part of my life um, and then so I came back and I had to do something and so I told the story of Spearfish I was actually asked by an old client come to the university and talk to the kids about what you did with Spearfish and how you grew your agency and how blah blah so I did they loved that talk so much someone from the council was there and said look come and do the same thing but can you also tell them how to do the marketing and that became a company called Great Marketing Work so that became another marketing agency where I I would train up people in social media marketing, digital marketing to start off with, actually, guerrilla to start off with, then digital marketing, <laughs> then Levinson. social media marketing. Huh? J.C. Levinson, guerrilla marketing. I, you know what I mean? This is how old I am. You know, so that was back in the day and that stuff. You know, we did experiential stuff. And we, you know, we went for the hearts rather than the minds and all this kind of cool stuff. And that was exactly it. You know, well, technically, social media marketing, influencer marketing, all these new things are actually not new. They're all based on those. You know, they are classic guerrilla marketing tactics. So... The logical progression was guerrilla marketing, using psychology, all these different things, went into digital because digital, it was such a great play area for that kind of movement. And also because the amount, I'm obsessed with data, so data feedback leads, and I find it fascinating. And psychology, I find fascinating. Um, so that, that company, Great Marketing Works, did pretty, pretty well. However, I, 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 I and it's still, still going to, yes, I became an international speaker, and that's how I got people on the BBC and other stuff and other stuff. And that's how people might have seen stuff that I've done. Right. However, I got very ill doing that because uh, I worked myself too hard and I got type 2 diabetes. And so the reason for this bit of story, I'll explain in a sec. 
So, you know, I've got type 2 diabetes and I had to get rid of it through diet and exercise. And I was on, on a program, an ICV program about it. It was called Fast Fix Diabetes. But that was like a two month process of eating um, a particular type of uh, these shapes that you had to do. And basically, I had to lose two and a half stone in two months for myself to get rid of type 2 diabetes. So, why do I tell you all that? Now, that is all an analogy or a moment there. It's all a story way of learning something. And what I really teach people now is about transformation, be that digitally, be that mentally, be that physically, because I've literally went through a physical change. And the main process behind all of it is mindset and the culture. Not only do you have personally, but in your company, this is the key point. So talking about the future, you're talking about what are the future for agencies. The key thing for me and my understanding is digital transformation. But you know, the old joke, isn't it? That you know, what made your agency, what made the industry digitally transform? Was it the CTO, was it the CEO, the CIO, or was it COVID? Well, we all know the answer. You know, <laughs> coronavirus has made more people digitally transform than you know, the last 20 years of me talking about the fact they should. And what's been going on is all this stuff that we thought we couldn't do, like we couldn't run a business remote, we'd have to keep the office. Now everyone's saying, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take the bounce back loan, I'll build an extension at home, so that'll become my yeah. office. And then yeah. we'll, we'll get rid of three floors of the office or two floors of the office. And we'll just agree that everyone meets up Mondays or we'll, or we'll get a hotel room and everyone will meet up on a Monday. And I'll Absolutely. say, you're 100,000 quid a year on rent and everyone seems happy now the question for me let's just go down this 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 hole for a start okay whether that's actually sustainable is it if one thing for, for three months everyone working away from from the business remotely having their little pub on a friday night little questions yeah. and stuff uh um the owner or the managing director having individual zoom calls teams working together having their meetings so it's one thing doing that remotely for three months yeah but is it actually sustainable i mean in terms of almost like in terms of mental health for people who signed up to be in at work at 8 30 and leaving at five to suddenly yeah, yeah. be working suddenly be working on their ironing board while sitting on their bed <laughs> okay well well there's a couple of health things there i'll just number one i would say and uh, not only from a your flock point of view from a bad culture setup there um but also legally uh you know don't be doing that on your ironing board uh, also very bad for your back uh, you know, you've got to get your standing desk in, people. Uh, you know, so there's, there's a couple of things that it does make me smile. Because say I was writing this stuff about future of work in months ago, and then all of a sudden it's like it's exploded. And it, but it, but it, but it was happening before. So remember, people. I mean, I was remote working before. I've been a remote worker for a decade without knowing it was remote working. Yeah. Because I I was a business consultant and I was a trainer. So my house was partly my office. That's the way it was. This is the the hybrid apparently new kind of hybrid flexible. Uh, model that's been mine for you know 20 years well, that's um, what it's yeah. fantastic now it's got a name i feel i feel like i i feel like a bad <laughs> well gotta have a name gotta have a name gotta put us in you know so then you, you look at people like chris hurd who's a, a real advocate and he's worth um, uh, looking on twitter and stuff but he's been an advocate and of course his company helps people with remote work so it makes sense as an advocate for it but he's got a really really good point you know if you look at the percentages of from last year or so and i think it was Something like four or five percent in the in the US were remote workers, which class themselves hundred percent remote workers, which is a tiny amount. Now this revolution's happened, and your question is a really good one. Is it sustainable? The answer is yes, because people 
have now seen the benefits of remote work who weren't allowed to see them before. Now, the reason they weren't allowed to see them before is not any kind of mean or kind of, I think some people get a bit, it gets a bit almost political, this bit. They're like, well, it was because the bosses wanted to see over my shoulder and that's the problem with management and all these things, which, you know, cool and funky, got it. But I know a load of agencies that wouldn't have that kind of you know, behavior anyway, you know, and, and most successful businesses can't micromanage and won't micromanage. And, I mean, they got rid of that middle management structure a long time ago, but anyway, that's not the point. Now you've been given the benefit of it. Now you don't have to do the two-hour commute. I think people have forgotten, or not forgotten, they've realized how horrid that was. Yeah? A lot of people might have suddenly thought they're a lot more productive. Now we've got to be careful here. From the stats that we've done with your flock, but other stats that with much bigger things that are behind it, about 20% of people cannot or do not find working from home to be productive. Yeah? But we've also got to be really careful, and that's just, just number, you know, number one, or remote work, they need people around them to do stuff. Now, but the other thing is, we're not working from home, Robert, at the moment. We are not. We are surviving a global pandemic, yeah, at the same time as homeschooling, juggling three jobs, someone else has gone on furlough, so therefore you're doing their bit too, and having the stress of utilising new technologies and new situations we haven't done before. Now, I'm quite lucky, because I've been using Zoom stuff for years, and I've been telling people to do Zoom stuff for years. Now, the problem we've got is we've overused it now. We've used Zoom so much, we've got Zoom gloom. Yeah. And we're not, I mean, and all the thing is, and this is key, all these bits of technology have existed for a long, long, long time, like decades. Yeah. And now, because everyone's come to the floor and started using them all, we're not, yesterday, we're not doing it in a nuanced way. So if you're still doing Zoom meetings and they're an hour long, you shouldn't be, because that Zoom meeting should not be an hour long. 